absolutely brand new um, message this morning over the next couple of weeks, and I, I would love for you to stay with me because I really, I really do believe God spoke to me about this. Um, I was actually going to go a different direction, and uh, God challenged me and said, no, I want you to go this way now at this point in this venture in time. And so I want to challenge us this morning, and over the next couple of weeks, if you'll stay with us, I want to challenge us with the idea that we need to think differently. Come on, some of you didn't catch it yet. We need to think differently. <clears throat> I'm going to say it again because some of you are just now starting to catch it. You've have, you have, you got your face out of Facebook. Come on, Jesus. And, and I'm going to say again, we need to think differently. Now, on purpose, we, went, we misspelled that because I want you to begin to see that sometimes the way that we think is not the way that God says. Oh, some of you are going to, get, some of you are going to be blessed this morning. Let me, let me start with this. Let me, let me try this because how many of you have ever heard the statement, watch your thoughts for they become words? Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become character. And watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that statement. If you, if you haven't, you just did. But what you need to understand, I hope that you noticed in all of that, it starts with our thinking and our thoughts. There is, a, there is a critical need. Everybody say critical need. There's a critical need within the body of Christ. There's a critical need in BWC. I'm not excluding you. I'm not excluding me. There's a critical need in us personally to think differently. The Bible says in Proverbs, the fourth chapter, I told you to just turn there just a moment ago. And if you have your, we have Wi-Fi in here. If you have it on your, on your, your, your phone or your, your Bible app or whatever, the U version or something, you can go there. I'm reading out of the New Century version just because I like the way it says it. It says in Proverbs 4.23, Be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. I'm going to say that again because some of you are still trying to get to Proverbs. And I'm going to say it again because you need to hear that. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, the New Century Version again, says, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. What I can tell you is, is psychologists have found out that we personally respond to the words we speak. Both physically, but emotionally. And, and what that is, is that's the personal authority that we have in our own lives. So when you speak something with your mouth, psychologists have said that it triggers a response inside of you physiologically. It, there is an emotional charge that happens. And that is the personal authority of your words in your life. Now the difference is, when we speak the Word of God, which is the spiritual authority of God, 
When we speak the Word of God with our words, with our mouths, now we are combining a spiritual authority and a natural authority, and that's what can begin to really cause change to happen in our lives, both physically, emotionally, mentally. Every area of our life can be changed when we begin to combine the spiritual authority of the Word of God with the natural authority that we have in our own lives. You say, well, Pastor, that doesn't happen all the time. No, it happens all the time for your life. And what we don't understand is that many times what we're doing, though, is our mouths... Oh, come on, say, I'm about, I'm about to get in somebody's business now. Our mouths are many times <laughs> are leading our lives away from the promises of God. Yeah, I don't have too much help in this house this morning, so maybe I just better get back here. Listen, sometimes our mouths are absolutely leading us away from the blessings of God and the life He has for us. And even though we're trying to be right, we can't seem to have right and do right and live right. Why can't I do right, Pastor? How come I have so many struggles? Many times it's because your mouth is leading you somewhere that you don't really want to go. Listen, I could, I could absolutely... 100%, I could lay good money down if I was a betting man and say every person in this house would like to be successful. Do any of you, and let me ask it this way, did any of you get up this morning, look in the mirror and say, you're going to have a terrible day, you are a, you are a depressed person, you aren't bound for success, the greatest thing you could do today would be to fail. Did any of you get up and say that? No, we all want to be successful. Turn the person next to you and say, I want to be successful. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I know some of you have a, some of you struggle even saying that, but some of you don't even talk. It's like, no, I can't talk in the house of God because, you know, who, who knows what would hurt. You know, well, what would happen? Understand, I understand, but you talk everywhere else. And, oh, come on, come on, some of you have been talking way too much. But the problem is what you've been talking Come on now, listen, I hear people all the time talking politics. Woo! Jesus on the main line got tight in this house. Because all of a sudden you start to, who's he going to endorse? I'm not endorsing anyone. Because I'm kind of in agreement with the statement that I saw. I don't care who's in the White House. There is a throne that sits above that I am in charge, that he is in charge of my life. And what my life is, is in response to his, not who sits in the White House. Now, I honor the president, whoever the president is. I honor that office. Well, I don't like the one. Well, you know, shut up. I really don't care if you don't like the one we've got or the ones that they're saying we're probably going to get. I really don't care. Because it doesn't matter who's there as long as who's here. Are you in this house? I ain't got no help in this house this morning. Let me, let me just get on. Listen to me. Turn to somebody and say, you need to think differently. Why, Pastor. Well, the Bible says it this way in Philippians, the fourth chapter, the eighth to the ninth verse. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, say true. Honest, say honest. Just, say just. Pure, say pure. Lovely, come on, say it. Of a good report, say it. 
If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, then watch this. What's he say? Think on these things. He goes on, he says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Come on, somebody. I don't know if you just caught that or not, but I was reading this the other day and all of a sudden it just jumped. Because sometimes you can read something and read something and read something and all of a sudden it'll click and it'll jump to you. How many of you ever had that happen? And I begin to see that the Father said, Listen, the God of peace is always with you, but you're not going to recognize Him unless you begin to think differently. Oh, see, you, I just, see, I don't have no help. The God of peace has promised to be with us through everything, but we do not recognize it if our minds are thinking about all the junk that's happening in the world around us. Now, we're going to go someplace. We're going to go someplace. See, what we need to do in the body of Christ, he said, this is not a Mother's Day message. No, some of you mamas need this. So it'll be a Mother's Day message, but I'll just include the men so you can, you can come along. Listen, this is why we need to think differently. Why, Pastor? Because we need to understand that, number one, right living begins with right thinking. Oh, no, no, Pastor. No, it begins with Jesus. Listen, I'm talking about after you get saved. After you say yes to Jesus Christ, you're going to have to begin to change. That's what Romans says. You're going to have to begin to change and transform what this is right up here. Because the greatest battlefield that you have in your life is between your ears. See, we've got to understand that right living begins with right thinking. Let me, let me do it this way. And again, I, I, I may just teach, I may preach, who knows? You just come along with me. Because each of us has a unique perception of the world we live in. In fact, of the, of the a couple of hundred people that are here today and in and, and children's church and all that, each of us have a different and a unique perception of the world we live in. And listen to me now. Our determination or our perception, listen now, determines what we do, what we say, where we go, and even who we hang out with. Our perception of the world determines our world to us. Now that perception, or the way we see things, is shaped by how we feel life has treated us. How we were raised. Sometimes even the geographical location that we're from, or even that we find ourselves in. Listen, you say, Pastor, where are you going? If you're from the South, you probably have a different perception of things than, than, a, than a person that was raised in the North. Nothing wrong with that. It's just a different perception. We were, down in, we were down in South Carolina just this last week, and people would open the door and say, Come on in, sweetie. Now you come up North, and they come up, they get, get out of my way. No, listen, it's a different perception, a different place. Geographical location does determine a lot of the way that we perceive things. Oh, come on, let me, let, me go here. let me go here for a minute, because sometimes it's not only the geographical location that we find ourselves in, but it may be the moment that we find ourselves in. So in actuality, you ready for this? Listen, our perception of the world determines our world to us. Oh, see, I'm giving you some good stuff, and some of you catching it, some of you not. I, if you're going to tweet and Facebook and all the rest of it, go ahead and tweet that. 
tweet and Twitter all you want, but tweet that. Your perception of the world you're living in determines your world to you. Now, listen, I'm, I'm going to be the, the first to admit to you, it may not be an accurate assessment of what's really on the, uh, what's, what the world is. How many of you... Now, nah, I'm not even going to go to you because you, some of you are not with me. Listen, I'll just go to myself. There have been times in my life where I have determined what the world was to me. It was not because I was actually seeing something that was that way, but it was actually because I had perceived it to be that way. Oh, are you in the house? Come on, come on. How many of you have ever been dealing with an issue and someone across the room might be talking and the minute your eyes meet with them, all of a sudden they quit talking and all of a sudden there is a perception that jumps into your mind. Now they may have just been done talking. And they may be looking at you going, man, you lost some weight. But they can't come tell you because they think, Holy Lord Jesus, I gained five this week, so I'm not going to go tell them. They look good. Because then I'm going to... But what happens is your perception of the world you live in becomes your world to you. Now, I'm going to tell you, it might not be an accurate assessment. It might be an, it might be a, an incorrect or, or, or incorrect assessment of, of the way it is. But the world we live in is shaped by the way we see. And listen, listen, you ready for this? You've got to stay with me. That is ultimately shaped by our thoughts. Well, what I could say is, I could say it this way. I've said this before, and I'm, I'm just going to say it again. Your perception determines your reception. The way you perceive something is the way you will receive something. If you came into this house, pardon me, but you all seen me in the suit coat. I'm hot. I've already been pretty long enough. If you came in, come here, get my coat. I don't want to throw it down. Thank you. My perception is that she ain't bad looking. Yeah, pastor. I didn't say we need to look. Let me go on. Your perception of something determines your reception of something. Watch. If you came in this house this morning and you said, oh, I just got to go to church. It's Mama's Day. I got to go there for her or she'll cry about it and she'll whine about it. And then she'll Facebook me and tell me all week long that I didn't. And so I've got, I'm guilted into going. Come on. Or you came in this house and you have no perception whatsoever that you were going to meet God here. Let me tell you that you probably did not. If you do not perceive that I have anything to give you, what will happen is you won't receive anything that I have to give you. You only are going to receive what you perceive is for good or it's for you. But the opposite's also true. If you perceive that someone's against you, what you will do is you will take every opportunity that they give you to receive negative from them. Listen, I'm not talking about something that I have not lived through and still have to struggle with. See, you, you don't understand me. What I understand is that the greatest battlefield of my life is between my ears. What makes this even more critical, though, is that many times... Listen to me now. We 
view God the way we view our world. And what we're doing is our view, listen to me closely, our view, our perception is imprisoning God behind our assessment of Him. I'm not, I'm not coming up into his throne room. I'm telling him, you have to come down here because I cannot perceive that you really love me the way you said you did. You can't love something that I don't love myself. Surely you can't forgive what I cannot forgive. Surely there is no sea of forgetfulness that you have placed my sins in because I remember them daily. Are you in this house? So what I'm going to tell you is that our view of God, our perception of God determines our reception of Him. And many times what we've been doing is we have imprisoned Him behind our assessment. Turn to somebody and say, you need to think differently. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. No, 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 listen, listen. I understand. I understand. Some of us have been through some hellish experiences. Some of you have seen some bad stuff happen. Some of you have been through some terrible storms of life. Some of you have been through Job experiences. Some of you have seen stuff that, 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 that you wish you had never seen. and You wouldn't even wish you upon your worst enemy. And what I understand is the fact that we don't always get to choose what happens to us, but we always get to choose what we will allow ourselves to see, to perceive, and what we will respond to. So let me, let me just say it this way. We are where our thinking has gotten us. We are where our thinking has gotten us. See, this is how a person can have, their body can be in a beautiful, great location uh, physically and logistically, but they can still be all messed up. See, there have been times that, that I've been on the beach with my wife and, and she is just soaking in the rays and, and I'm there sweating for Jesus. And, and, and I, even though I am in a beautiful location, my mind is back at 4086 Palmer Road wondering how I'm going to pay for the washer and the dryer that just broke. My mind is thinking I need new tires on the truck. My mind is, oh God, there's a bill coming up in two weeks. i got to have the money. My mind, I'm in a good location, but I'm not. Because the way you... Come on, you need to turn somebody and say, think differently. Listen, how many of you have ever been all messed up emotionally, but you was in a good place? Turn to the person next to you and say, quit lying in the house of God. You needed to raise your hand. See, never one of us has to deal with a mind that needs to be renewed. This is exactly in our mind. Listen, this is exactly in our mind where the enemy comes to steal our joy and our peace. He comes to disrupt our relationships and even take away our contentment in this life. And I know some of you right now, you're probably thinking, Oh, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have to deal with mind problems. Listen, no. 
The problem is when our mind tends to think wrong, we tend to do wrong. Are you in this house? Oh, you, you didn't hear that. Let me try that again. When our mind thinks wrong, we tend to do wrong. And after a while, oh, you ready? You, see, you're not ready for me, but I'm going to go ahead and go there. After a while, you continue to think wrong and then do wrong. And what happens is you begin to allow a stronghold to develop in your life. Listen, I know that's not a very popular word now. You don't go on Facebook and see everybody talking about strongholds. That's almost an archaic term to many of you. And, and so, so we probably need to have some kind of a definition. So let me give you a definition for stronghold. A stronghold is a fortified pattern of thinking that is stubbornly resistant to change. Let me try it this way. See, I still don't understand, Pastor. Well, let's, let's say that you have experienced in your life a great deal of rejection or hurt. What you're going to do is you're going to begin to perceive everything that happens in your life. And then when you don't deal with it properly, then what's going to happen is your eyes will begin to send to your brain information. And your brain is going to interpret it the way that you are hurt. See, yeah, yeah, Am I helping anybody? Come on, I was ready. Listen, I've told you this before and more, and, and I'm, I'm not speaking this to the, the credit. I'm just, I'm trying to give you explanation here. I was raised poor, very poor. We had what was called a clapboard house. You just, you had tar paper, and you put boards up to keep the tar paper from falling down. That's all the reason you had boards on it. We called it the tar paper mansion. We had no foundation under our house. We just had big stones that they had rolled into place and then laid the, the, the trusses or the, the, the girders and under girders, whatever they are you walk on. They, we, we laid those down and they built the house on that. We didn't have indoor plumbing. We had, now some of you, I don't mean to be getting nasty, but we had a cesspool where, that, that ate all of our balls. We would be out playing basketball or be playing football or playing baseball. And if it went to the cesspool, someone would say, you need to go get them. I ain't going over there. Listen, during the summertime, it would get ripe. See, some of you don't know what, I, what I'm talking about because, see, you were raised with, you know, in, in town. See, my wife's always after me. She says, you know, we need to get chickens. I'm thinking, I had to live with chickens. I hate them things. Only good chicken is a cooked one. Fried, maybe boiled. If you throw the gizzards and the livers in there, then there's a good chicken. She told me the other day she wanted to, and I told her, she, she said, I won't get in there. There's this cute little miniature donkey. And I thought, Jesus, help us in heaven above. Ain't going to have no cute little donkey at the house. Somebody said, well, we're going to get one. I said, good, go pet it. Listen, I was raised on the farm, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the farm where you have your, it's just nice, and you have these little pristine little animals. They was cow mess. We had to shovel that stuff. Listen, I don't know if you, some of you, some of you don't understand, you know, never mind. Listen, I was raised poor, and because of it, I developed... A poverty mentality. Because I was raised to believe that if you were poor, you were godly, and if you had money, you were ungodly. Well, that's the truth. But no, it's not the truth. 
That's a lie of the devil. Oh, you ever that's prosperity check? Yes. I believe in prosperity. Now, I believe there are seasons. I believe there'll be dry seasons, there'll be wet seasons, there'll be good seasons, there'll be bad seasons, there'll be hot seasons, there'll be cold seasons, there'll be everything you got. But I believe God loves us. I believe He wants to bless us. But listen, my mentality that I struggled with for so many years was thinking that if I didn't have any money, that that was the way I was going to be closer to God. So what I would do was any time that a blessing would become would come my way, my eyes would send information to my brain that said, Oh, you better be careful. This will take you straight to hell. Oh, see, you don't you help me in this house. Well, you was jacked up, weren't you, Pat? Yes, I was. Just like you. Because some of you have mindsets. Woo! Don't make me go. See, I just told them, I said, confession good for the heart. Let's go on your bench. <laughs> Come on, where are you? What perception do you have? Well, I didn't have a daddy, so I don't have to be a daddy. No, you you just a donor. You hear me? You just a donor? Well, I need to spread the love. No, you need to stop. Listen, listen. What happens is if we don't begin to think differently, our eyes begin to send information to our mind that will be interpreted incorrectly. Let's, let's go back to the first instance I said. If you suffered with rejection, what you do is you begin to see everything around you and you send it to your mind. And then what your mind does is it interprets in that venue of rejection. And then that mindset becomes fortified and entrenched in your thought patterns. This is what 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, is talking about when it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, watch this, to the pulling down of strongholds. There's that word strongholds. What's that stronghold? It is a fortified pattern of thinking that is stubbornly resistant to change. Well, I said yes to Jesus. Listen, you got saved in your spirit. You didn't get saved in your head. I would love it if the minute you said yes to Jesus, He would have changed your mind. It would have made things so much easier. But listen, what He did was He said, Now, I'm going to change your spirit. You start working on your mind. Paul says, here's how we're going to have to fight this thing, this stronghold. He said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That sounds like a lot of work, Pastor. Yes, it is. Because what you're facing is something that is stubbornly resisting change. Let me give you an example. Most people have insecurities of some sort. You know, I don't... Well, whatever. Let me try this. Watch this. If you're a man who struggles with self-confidence, you're going to struggle thinking about all the mistakes you've made in life. If you're a woman who struggles with jealousy, you're going to struggle thinking about how many women work at your husband's workplace. If you're a teenager who struggles with your personal appearance, you're going to struggle thinking about all the fake people in Hollywood and how they look and how you don't. 
But in all of that, there is a stronghold in the thinking called insecurity. The problem with it is much of our thinking and the way we see the world is forged through those internal glasses called our own personality temperament. I know some of you think I've lost this, but listen, you, you stay with me because I'm going someplace. Let, let me show you this very quickly. Ready? How many of you say you can, uh, you can listen fast if I can talk fast? You ready? There are four main temperaments, natural personality temperaments. Let's look at these just very quickly. Ready? Number one is one called the choleric. Now, their main focus is to be the driver. Their need is to win. Their timetable is now. And they can tend to see people as a means to an end. But the downside is they can tend to be aggressive. Well, they just need to say, no, that's their temperament. That's their temperament. You have the choleric. But then you have the sanguine. Some of you are going to see yourself. Their main focus is expression. Their need is to have fun. Their timetable is late. BWC. Got a bunch of sanguines in the house. Turn to somebody and say, hello, sanguine. They can tend to be people pleasers. But the downside of all of this is they can tend to be impulsive. So you have the choleric, you have the sanguine, then you have what's called the phlegmatic. Now the phlegmatic, their main focus is to be agreeable to everyone. Their need is to, let's feel safe. Their timetable is tomorrow. And they can feel like people are really not worth all the effort. But the downside is they can tend to be passive. Let's finish this up with the melancholy. The melancholy, their main focus is analytical. Their need is to be, is to have precision in life. Their timetable is punctual. They can feel like most people are beyond help. The downside is they can tend to be negative Nancys. Some of you probably could look down your bench and go, Okay, hello, Mr. Collard. Oh, hello, Mr. Melancholy. Oh, there's Mrs. Uh, Sanguine. See, now, I'm, I'm, I'm going someplace, so stay with me. Because everyone, most people have a dominant temperament, and then they have a secondary temperament. And those, listen now, those temperaments work and forge different ways of thinking. And whatever we see and think determines how we respond to others, and ultimately to God Himself. Let me give you an example in this. Ready for it? I know I'm, I'm giving you quite a bit here, but you, you staying with me? There's ten of you. The rest of you just hang on. I'll let you go in a little bit. Maybe. Listen, if you, let, let me give you an example. If you're a melancholy temperament and think everyone's beyond help, come on. How many of you know some folk in the, in, not in the room, because we're all saved and holy and sanctified and beautiful in this room. But you know some melancholy people that think everybody's beyond help. Listen, if you are a melancholy temperament, you're going to struggle believing that grace is available to people who aren't punctual like you. You can't be on time, you can't be saved. Don't make me get down and dirty with this. Because I have heard people, well, if they knew authority, they'd be on time. 
time, so they get to take some of yours. And my wife just went, shun na 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 Listen, I've told you time and time again. I like to be where I'm going an hour early. She likes to be there when the spirit moves. Listen, listen, right? If you have a sanguine temperament and just want to have fun, fun, fun till my daddy comes home. No. That's the 50s, never mind. And if you're a sanguine temperament, you just want to have fun. You're going to be the one that struggles with all the melancholy hotheads who surely can't be like Jesus because it's all about love, joy, and peace. Come on. And so what we do is we fight in the house of God. We fight in our homes because we have a personality temperament and we see things a certain way. But what we don't understand is that what we are seeing may not really be accurate. Our perception is determining our reception. And listen, if you ain't like me, you can't be saved. Right? 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 If you don't do it the way I do it, if you don't see it the way I see it, well, you're just stupid. I've seen people on Facebook. Bless your heart. I'll call you out if you challenge me. But because you didn't vote the way I thought you should vote, you're stupid. No. No. What it is, is maybe they see it differently than you do. Doesn't mean you're stupid or they're stupid. Yes, it does. They're stupid. No, it doesn't. Come on, somebody. Turn to somebody and say, you need to think differently. See, what we do is we, we you say, well, Pastor, that's, that's, that's not the Bible. Oh, yes, 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 it was. How about we go back to the New Testament and we see choleric Apostle Paul who was, bless God, this is the way it's done. And you have Apostle, or you have John Mark, who is a phlegmatic. They're on a missionary trip together, and they can't see eye to eye about nothing, and so they split the trip. Apostle Paul says, go home with your big self, you big baby. Just go to your mama. John Mark, going, you just mean. You just mean and nasty. The grace of Jesus isn't in you. And they split. Sound like some churches. Sound like some homes. Sound like some families. Sound like some people. Listen. Paul didn't want to have to deal with all the feelings. But see, our personal temperament will cause us to see life. Listen now, you got to hear me. We'll see, we'll, our personal temperament will cause us to see life in a unique way. And even though we don't, we, we don't choose our personality temperament, if we don't challenge our perceptions and the way we think with God's Word and His way, we can develop strongholds that will imprison not only God, but all minds from moving on. So how do we think differently, Pastor? How, you, you, you got me. You got me. How do, how do I think differently? Well, how do we challenge our perceptions? How do we conquer the strongholds? It starts. Oh, see, so you're not going to like me now, but that's all right. You didn't vote me in. You won't vote me out. 
how do, how do we do this? It starts with the awful word called discipline. Turn to somebody and gasp. <gasps> I know most people don't like that word. Discipline. Now, ain't going to be a few in the house that, bless God, preach it. That's your temperament. And those who just want to have fun are going, oh, he just doesn't have grace today. Now, most of us don't really like that word because what it does is it denotes effort. There, 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 there could be a denial of some self-pleasure. Or there's the potential that we're going to have to restrain ourselves. We may have to put some controls into place that have to be exercised on ourselves. But can I tell you that little or no progress is ever made without someone becoming disciplined about or towards something. You don't get... Oh, help me, Jesus. Listen, I... So, uh, it's probably about three years ago. I lost 125 pounds. You know how I did it? What was the diet? I quit eating so much and started walking. That's it. I became more disciplined because I was tired of being fat. Don't say that. That will hurt someone's feelings. I didn't say it about you. I said it about me. I look back at pictures, you know, when I was. And I look back and say, Jesus, help us. Listen, I'm not against anybody that's overweight. I'm still overweight. I I look at the charts now and the doctor still says I need to lose another leg or two. (laughs) What I'm saying, though, is there's never progress made until someone becomes disciplined about something. How many of you ever tried to save money for something? You know what it took? Yes, it just took more money. No, it took discipline. It took discipline. Come on, you know how I got that girl? I became disciplined in my pursuit of her. Because when we first met, I offended her. And she didn't like me. She thought I was hot. I threw that word in there. I'm not sure if she did or not. But anyway, you know, I had it going on. I was a, I was a Travolta staying alive. I was Rocky Balboa. I had the long, I did have hair at one time, but Michelle keeps cutting it too short. And, and I was hot. I mean, I was, this is the 70s, guys, and we had our shirts down here. The chest hair was out. Come on, the... The gold chain with the anchor on it, we was fly. Before fly was fly. We were cool in those days. Listen, I groovy, well that was yeah. Listen, we had the bell bottoms going on, platform shoes. I don't know why I ever wore platform shoes. I was like seven foot three in platform shoes. I don't know why. I know, but it was cool. You had to be cool, right? See, nobody knows what I'm talking about because I know you're all too young. But some of you remember mall hair. You were cool. You couldn't turn your head but doing this number. And I don't care if a, if a tornado happened. Your, your hair did not move an inch. 
because there were tree sap in it that just held it. You had the fur faucet going. Come on, baby. You know what? You know what I'm talking about. Listen, there's never anything that's ever going to happen in your life until you become disciplined about it. Now, listen, I understand. There are some things that are easier to become disciplined about than not. Some of you are very disciplined about going and getting something to eat this afternoon, and you will accomplish it. Come high water, I don't care. Come on, some of you are going to get something to eat. Some of you, how many of you are going to be disciplined about getting something to eat this afternoon? Some of you are going to fast all day, and I appreciate that. Bless God, thank you for fasting today. Now listen, nothing really happens until we become disciplined about something. And we, we used the scripture before, but let's go back to it again and look at it. Because Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, I'm reading on the Message Bible now. The fifth verse says, We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies and tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Come on, listen to me. That's discipline. That's somebody that is disciplining themselves. There's some discipline being exercised. And what we need to understand is that we don't really... See, you're not seeing with your eyes. What you're doing is those eyes are sending information to your, your mind. But if we haven't disciplined our mind to see based on what the Word of God says, are you in this house? We can absolutely begin to misinterpret what we're seeing. That's why Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not miss the mark that I'm trying to get to. See, every thought in your life has an agenda. And I, listen, I, I'm going someplace. Stay with me for just a few more moments. Every thought has an agenda. It's working to shape a philosophy of life and it's prompting us to move in some direction or other. And that's why, dear ones, we must filter our thoughts. How many of you have ever had a stupid thought enter your head? Some of you have had several in the last few moments. Let's, let's just make a confession. Turn to somebody and say, I have had a few stupid thoughts. No, I'm not admitting that, Pastor. I'm, I'm a conqueror. No, get over yourself. Every one of us has had stupid thoughts. Here's the difference. Which thoughts are you going to entertain and make a place for in your life? I have all kinds of thoughts. <laughs> I remember a girl, bless her heart, she was, she's a beautiful girl. She was a beautiful airhead girl told me one day, she said, Pastor, I can go all day sometimes and not think a thing. <laughs> what? It's not a thoughts all day long. I have to, there are times I have to literally shut my head down and say, nope, you need to stop. How many of you ever had to just tell you, stop? Stop. Ah, ah, ah. 
Do it to our dogs when they get in trouble. And they go. Sometimes you need to go to your head. Because you'll get a thought. Come on, how many of you have ever had a thought that leads to a thought that gets to another thought that after a while you're on a train of thoughts and it's leading you to some place you didn't want to go, you don't know how long you're going to have to stay there, but you're not, well, you're not really enjoying the trip to that thought place. You, you, get, a, you get a depression thought and you, get, you, you don't understand why you end up in lonely town. Because you let that thought turn to somebody and say, it's time for you to think differently. Otherwise, our feelings, if we don't begin to think differently, our feelings will control our minds and eventually produce words and actions that take us in a direction that we will regret. In Isaiah 55, God says this, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Thank you, God, because mine are jacked up sometimes. Mine are all over the map sometimes. He says, listen, if you, want, if you want some stability in your life, if you want to get some things right in life, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. That's where we begin to have the stability. So how do we start thinking right in a practical way? Here's, here's why. I'm coming to a close. I didn't say I was closing, but I'm coming. I'm going to land this somewhere. How do we do this in a practical way? You ready for this? You, some of you are going to love this. Some of you are not going to like it. But you, you'll be all right. If it gets tight, it'll be all right. Ready? First thing that we have to do in a practical way, if we're going to do this, if we're going to start disciplining ourselves and be better and start thinking differently, number one, we're going to have to relent. We need to admit, God, you're right. God, you're right. Now, let, let me try it this way. How many of you, your ways are better and higher and bigger than God's? Anybody, any takers in the house? You will admit, yes, I have a better plan than God does. Yes, my ways are higher than God's. Yes, I know everything. He's, he's a little slipping because he's ancient. And so I know everything. I can do all things. And I am all that in a bag of chips. So yes, I have any takers in the house. No? Probably not, right? We need to admit, God, you're right. Because if we can't admit that our plans and our ways are better than His, we're never even going to make an attempt to think differently. And if we never learn to think differently, we're never going to have any effective change in our lives. Because remember what I told you, we are where our thinking has gotten us. Everybody say, relent. Say, God, you're right. Secondly, you ready? Practical. Practicalities right now. Relent and then repent. You know what repenting is? It's admitting, God, I'm wrong. <laughs> Relent, God, you're right. Repent, God, I'm wrong. Well, I, I, I don't think that that's necessary. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because until you admit you're wrong, you ain't never going to change out of your ways. I don't think I'm wrong. Exactly. And that's why you're still stuck where your thinking has gotten you. Well, I don't appreciate that. I didn't ask you to. I said receive. Because if you can't receive this, you're not going to think differently. But if you want some change in your life, if you want some change in your marriage, if you want some change in your finances, and some change in the whole thing that you call life, you're going to have to think differently. Now you get so tight. 
This is the Pentecostal charismatic church, folk. If you don't like it, you, do, you need to go down the road. We are not... Listen, these altar areas are not going to be empty all the time. We're going to use them. Because some of us realize there are times we need to repent and say, God, you know what? I'm jacked up. I need to tell you I'm wrong. You're right. I'm accepting your ways and refusing mine. See, if, we can't, if, if you can't tell me this morning that you're where you want to be, then it may be time for change. Oh, see, that was, I, just, I gave you a level right there, and some of you just went, huh? If you can't tell me that you are where you want to be, it may be time for you to change. It may be time for you to repent and think differently. See, but listen, listen. Yeah, here's, here's the problem we have. Repentance isn't just being sorry for our sins. That's called godly sorrow. That's what Second Corinthians says. Godly sorrow worketh or works towards repentance. God's, God's word translation of that very scripture says this. To be distressed in a godly way causes people, listen, to change the way they think and act and leads them to be saved. See, repentance is really about changing your mind and changing the direction that you've been going. And listen, change is going to start right there. Everybody say, relent. God, you're right. Say, repent. God, I'm wrong. And then you ready for this? Because I'm coming to a close. Then you need to remove. You need to take the source of the sin, the stronghold of the wrong thinking. You need to take it to the street. You need to cast it down. You need to kick it out. I'm telling you, you need to remove it with a vengeance. Don't play patty cake with it. Don't play nice with it. Don't pet that devil. You need to cast that devil back to hell where it came from. You need to get that thinking and it's stinking. And you need to move it on out of your life and say, I ain't going to have you. I know that's not proper wording, but some of you understood just what I said right there. You're going to have to begin to remove remove it listen you know here's the problem too many of us have tried to change thinking by setting our old mindsets to the side for a little while so we can return to them oh you ain't listening to me I'm going to get rid of this poverty mentality and just set it to the side but if I need it again I'll move right back into it because it feels comfortable you don't come out of my fat clothes Come on, you ain't in the house. Yeah, I'm going to forgive that man for what he said, but you know, I'm going to hold on to it a little bit, just in case. All the ladies in the house just left me. Here's what Romans, the 6th chapter, the 12th and 13th verse says, You must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Listen, I love this. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time, remember, you've been raised from the dead, into God's way of doing things. How many of you have a phone? Where's a phone? Somebody give me a phone. Give me a phone. Give me a phone. Give me a phone. Come here, hurry. Come here, baby. I like to see you walk anyway. She will smack me later. That's okay. On this phone, well, you're getting a notification here from somebody. Who's calling? Tell your boyfriend to leave us alone. Listen, come here. I'm going to go right back. Come here. 
I like you. Hi. I need to have a phone. You're lying like a dog because I know you got five of them. You know, one that has the bling on it and then the one you bring to church that looks more godly. You got your work phone. How many of you have a phone? On your phone, there is a place in the settings called manage storage function. And if you need to, you can go to that and you can begin to delete some things. Because after a while, your phone will become clogged up. It runs slow. It starts to become infected. What you have to do is you have to go to your manage storage function and delete. Ever say delete. Ever say it one more time. Say delete. Thank you. Here's what I want you to understand. If we don't go through our lives and our minds and begin to clean up some stuff, we're not going to change. I was teasing, and listen, I, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm a little too transparent, but I was teasing because I have on my computer, I have a spam email department. And in my spam email department, and listen, I, if this shocks you or offends you, get over it. <clears throat> but in my spam email department, I apparently am a very hot commodity to the Asian women. I got all kinds of Asian women wanting to hook up. I told Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave said, "Yeah, I said I got the, I got the grannies. Older women want to see you." He answered, "That's no, no. You know what I do with them? I don't open them. In fact, I have a trash can that's right beside of the spam." And if I click that, it'll ask me, are you sure? Because it's trying to get me to go over there. It's trying to get me to think about, you ain't in the house. You ain't going to help me now. But all I have to do is when I click that thing, then I say, say, are you sure? Because you're hot in in Asia. You got it going on. Some of you don't even know it. You, you're like, oh, this, this offends my Holy Spirit. Yeah, you watch an HBO and all kinds of crap. And you can't be real in the house. You know what I do? I say, do I really want to delete? Yes. And you know what? All of a sudden, on my computer, it just goes like this giant funnel. It just goes... And I delete them. And then you know what happens? I'm clean. It comes up. i got its little thing that says... Your spam file is clean. I thought that's what the blood of Jesus did. Yes, I did it from my spirit. Sometimes I need to go hit the delete button so I can start being 
See, you don't help me. Stand with me in this house. See, I, I, I'm going to let you go. I told you it was. <clears throat> Push the person next to you and say, it's time for you to think differently. Some of you enjoyed that a little bit too much, so don't tell them, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to push you so hard. Now listen, it's time for a change. It is time for a change. It's time to elevate what we think. Are you listening to me? I know, I know, we're getting ready to go. You're getting ready to go. And I challenge you to hold that position for just 60 seconds. Because I want to give you something. It's, it's time for change. It's time for us to elevate what we think. Because listen, listen, I, I want you to catch this before you leave. And I, I promise, I'm going to let you go. But listen to me. You are the thinker of your thoughts. Nobody is forcing you to think the way you think. Well, they hadn't done that. You can, you can say no. You can push delete. You are the thinker of your thoughts. Nobody is forcing me to think thoughts of insecurity. Or thoughts of poverty. Or thoughts of why hasn't this? Or why hasn't that? Why don't they love me? Or why do they do this? Why is it? Oh God. Oh. Nobody's forcing me to do that. I am. You are. The thinker of your thoughts. And listen to me. You ready for this? this it gets a little heavy, but it's okay. We're, we're, I'm going to let you go. I said just 60 seconds. That was 30 seconds ago, but I said 60 now, so i got another 60. Never mind. Listen to me. No one is responsible for your thoughts but you. I, I, I didn't think I like right, listen I know that's kind of a heavy statement it's kind of a heavy one to drop and leave you on this morning I don't want to leave you with a negative impression I don't want you to walk out this door with, a, with a, a negative impression or thought in your life about yourself so let me give you this to release you with today Isaiah the 26th chapter the third verse says this listen 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 you have to catch this put the phone away put the put Facebook away and listen to it thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Listen to me. That is your answer for this week. In fact, let me say it this way. That's going to be our goal. You ready? This is going to be our goal to shoot for this week. Keep your mind stayed on Jesus. In fact, I want you to lift one hand and say this with me. That's my goal. That's what I'm shooting for this week. Come on. As a matter of fact, why don't you just close your eyes and let's just pray and say, Father God, I'm going to discipline myself. I want your help to keep my mind focused on you. And Lord, when I begin to wander, help me to exercise discipline. 
me to relent and say, you're right. Help me to repent. Say, I'm wrong. And help me, Holy Spirit, remove those thoughts that need to leave. Help me, Jesus, to start the process to think differently. In Jesus' name.